podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast. It's that time of the week again. It's Formula One discussion time. We know it means a lot to your lives. We're not stupid. Sam Sage, Harry Eves, along with me for the ride. Guys, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm better now you've said that I mean a lot to someone's life. I'm, that's news to me. Can you name I figured people, if, I, if I keep saying it, like it will be true eventually. Very kind of you, isn't it? I mean, it's nice that I get a compliment from someone. <laughs> okay, so... Um, oh, and Harry, you're all right, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, cheers, Ben. Thanks for asking. Getting yeah, no worries. No worries, <laughs> just just got to check up on you. Um, yeah, thanks. tonight we're going to actually be discuss- discussing F1 rather than just going back and forward in circles, even though that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, we're going to be discussing <laughs> whether we could see another race in Italy. Another circuit has come forward, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. We're going to be looking at Honda and Williams and whether. The two of them should have got together a few years ago. Um, Of course, it didn't end up happening. Was that an error on Williams' part? Uh, And in the latest instalment of our F1 games, we're going with F1 Guess the Year. It's Sam versus Harry. It's the rivalry to end all rivalries that will be at the end of the show. But first of all, we put a tweet out the other day on the old Twitteroo. Um, We were asking people to form something of a dream team. Um, for those of you who didn't see the tweet, and thank you so much for everyone who did interact with the tweet. We, we didn't expect it to, uh, to be as popular as it was. But you had to form a team of four drivers, a driver who has won more than one championship, a driver that has won exactly one championship, a driver that's never won a championship and a driver that's never taken a race win. Um, got some very interesting results. Not all of them were entirely serious. Regunathan did appear more than once. But Sam, take us through your four and why you've chosen them. So, I mean, the first one was a lot of people kind of picked between the same two or three drivers. And I jumped in there with the old uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Lewis Hamilton's French brother, if you were all unaware of that. Uh, Lewis. Lewis Hamilton, of course, is a six-time, possibly going on seven-time world champion. He is the best man we've ever seen on a Saturday, you know, most pole positions of all time. He's broken the record for most races won on the front row. He has broken the record for most races led, most laps led. He's about to break the record for most races won. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. He is going to be the best driver of all time, if not already the best driver of all time. And he doesn't have to play dirty to get there. So it's good to see all round, really. A great leader for the team. He's got a lot of experience under his belt now. Um, why not? Why not? Now, the other option was, um, as Ben said, a one-time world champion. I thought for the banter, I might go for Nico Rosberg. And then I said, no, you're kidding yourself. Don't do that. Yeah, because you hate him. I don't hate him. He's just... Um, he, he was fitting very well at late breaking. Let's say that, okay? We're all morons, folks. Um, Jenson Button. JB, the ultimate combo, of course. Uh, the stat that Ben always likes to throw out that couldn't be more irrelevant is who got the most points across three seasons, which 
the amount of factors that play into that that make it irrelevant is ridiculous. But he did theoretically score more points than Lewis Hamilton over three seasons. So there you go. He's also a world champion. He also designed, well, he didn't design it. He drove the one of the best looking Formula One cars of all time. That's what we are coloured on effectively. Um, and he's an all round nice guy. He's great in the in the rain, great tyre wear. He'd be a great second driver to Lewis Hamilton, essentially where he belonged for most of his career during that early two, two, 2010 period. Uh, the third option is, uh, is someone that's won races, but not ever won a, uh, a title. And this is the funny thing, folks. I can't remember who I put here. I found it. I found it. I can. I can. I lost the list. I've been looking for the entire time I'm speaking. Jackie X. Jackie X, as Ben described him uh, uh, when I tweeted this, is probably the man who moved away from the best possibilities the year before they happened. Like, how many times do you want to move away from the team that's going to win the title before they just win a title? The man should have won at least one in 1970, I think it was. But, I mean, probably could have had two or three if he just stuck to himself in the right place. And that, again, makes what a great driver could be, is reading reading the race, reading the championship, reading the development, the the era. And he, he wasn't the best at doing that. But on the track, the man was so good. He was such a quick driver, great at overtaking, really historic. He's now got a corner named after him at Spa, which is fantastic. So yeah, Jackie X in the bag. And then finally, we stick to our, uh, our European roots. We stick to a man that everyone knows and loves. It's the man who sits under a tree, quick Nick, Nick Heigfeld. He's so consistent. He's just, he's probably, I reckon, one of the best drivers to have never won a race of all time. The guy is bloody brilliant, never made it into a very top team. I think that shows how close he's come so many times to winning a race, to have not won a race when he never drove for a, a, you know, a top two team during his seasons that he was in Formula 1. So, quick Nick enters, enters the room. So, my team is Lewis Hamilton, Jenkinson Button, Jackie X, and Nick Heidfeld. Okay, I mean, Lewis Hamilton, obviously, a a very popular selection from from those who did uh, select their four drivers. Um, Jensen Button as well, a very popular pick. Um, I mean, I, w- I won't talk about the absolute disrespect that you're giving to Jensen Button because Button was absolutely not a second driver when they were together. They were very evenly matched. And fun fact for you, Sam, and this really is a fun fact... <laughs> Did you know that in the three seasons they were teammates, it was Jensen Button who scored more points? Did you know that no other person or fact site in the world adds up season points to determine who's a winger? In no other sport either. It's not a thing that people do. The form is not exactly the same. You don't add up. You don't add up points to see who wins. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean like you don't add up season to season. So you wouldn't look at Man United in football and go, "Yeah, Man City may have won the league, but Man United over the last ten years scored eight hundred points more than them." That's that's not how sport works. I mean, I mean that is something you would look at because eight hundred points is a lot. That is a lot. I mean, okay, I've created an over exaggeration there, but I think my point stands. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, Jackie X was not. I, don't actually remember seeing Jackie X mentioned by anyone else, so um, which I was surprised at because that is a, a, a good selection. Um, and obviously, Quick Nick, love Quick Nick. Um, Harry, do you agree with any of those? Who are you for? Uh, well, I don't necessarily disagree with what Sam Sam's picks. Uh, all very good drivers, but they're not the four I've gone for. So my, my number one, so my multiple world champ is Michael Schumacher because fanboy over here is going to pick Michael Schumacher. 
and Cos seven world championships. Then my pick for number two, which is a one-time world champion, is one from Mario Andretti, not Michael, obviously. Um, because I, I I feel like, not that Mario is underrated, but I doesn't doesn't get enough respect as the uh, American. He's, he was a bloody good driver. And then he went, he had a very successful career in Indy and did a bit of sports car racing or Le Mans as well. So a very worthy person to have on my team. Third is Ronnie Peterson for the non-championship winning driver, a driver that probably should have won it by a championship had his his life not been cut short, sadly. And then my fourth choice, I'm reading it off my list. I've put Ricardo Rossett, but that's not actually who I'm going to go for. It's much like I love what? Goat, Goat Rossett. Um, no, a sensible choice is uh, Martin Brundle because... It's not sensible at all. That is sensible. The man raced against and won against Ayrton Senna back in the day, and I'm not saying he's, he was or is as good as Ayrton Senna, but he definitely deserved some better cars in his in his F1 career. The best one he had was the 92 Benetton, and he held his own against Schumacher for most of that season. I know Schumacher got a win, but I don't think that, um, Brundle deserved to be kicked out at the end of that year either. So, yeah, Mar- Marty, a solid pe- peddler, very good commentator. So he, he could probably do two jobs at once, actually. He could he could be in my team racing and commentating. And that's a win-win. Wow. You've really got a one-up <laughs> on us there. <laughs> Sam's got JB. He commentates a bit. Yeah, I'm just looking through my... And unfortunately, um, well, I, I don't think I've got any commentators on my team. So I'm going to be a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, yeah. You've lost out on the commentators race thing. I mean, I created the question you, and I've lost. How have I done this? I mean... That happens a lot, to be honest. It does. Um, Psych, I haven't lost. This is the best team. You've heard two solid teams. You know, they're they're all right, but this is the real team. Um, I'm going to start, obviously, by agreeing with one of you. Um, Michael Schumacher, yeah. I've gone for him as the multiple-time world champion. Mm. uh, Very simply, because he's the best driver of all time. Could expand on that. Ironically, the wrong answer. Uh, no, absolutely correct answer. Michael Schumacher <laughs> is the greatest uh, driver no. of all time. Um, I mean, uh, let's get things out a second. Let's count up the championships. One, two, three, four, five, six. You know what? I think he's won more than anyone else because he's the greatest of all time. Well, let's see how many drivers he's taken off to try and win a championship. Oh, that's more than anyone else in terms of Hamilton versus Schumacher. So not the greatest of all time. I think the Cesaris and Maldonado might have something to say about that. But (laughs) um, I think he's the most complete driver of all time. I would agree that he is not as good as Lewis Hamilton in qualifying. Then again, I wouldn't say Lewis Hamilton is the greatest qualifier of all time either. So I would say he is a great mixture of speed, intelligence. Of course he's young. Correct. Um, And he's just relentless. Um, Yes, that took him over the limit sometimes. Yes, that put him in some, uh, you know, he he took out other drivers, which um, it's unsportsmanlike. Um, but I'm sitting here with my championship, so to be honest, I just don't care. Um, and we've seen that he can pull up a bad car as well. That 96 car that he drove was not very good. He produced some wonderful results in it. Um, and yeah, I, I think he is the best driver of all time. Makes sense that I've got him in this spot. The one-time world champion I've, I've gone for here is Jochen Rindt. 
Um, and I was really surprised that this name didn't come up very often because um, he won the title in 1970. Of course, the only posthumous world champion of all time would likely have won more um, in that Lotus outfit. You know, the Lotus was definitely good enough where it did win in 1972 with Emerson Fittipaldi. Probably could have won in 73. Both Peterson and Fittipaldi went close that year. Uh, depending on how long he stayed at the team as well, Lotus did uh, have a bit of a slump, but they did come back to life. Obviously, Andretti winning the championship, as you've already said, Harry. Um, if Rint was there, maybe maybe that happens because he did a, he did die at 28 years old. He, had, he still had plenty of years left in him. Um, that 1970 season, uh, Jackie X was very unlucky not to win the championship, but the fact is Jochen Rint won it without competing in the last four races. He was amazing that year. Um, 1968, he beats Jack Brabham um, at his own team, um, which is saying something. Uh, that's a three-time world champion there. He beat Graham Hill in 1969 at the same team. Graham Hill, a two-time world champion. Um, I, th- I think Rin was a wonderful driver. He, he finished third in just his second full season in F1 too. So Rin is my one-time champion. I, Sterling Moss is the best driver that's never won a world championship. Um, not to say, you know, Ix and Peterson would have been my second choice, to be fair, but Ix is a good choice as well. But for, for me, it has to be Moss. He was second place four times in a row. And then after he had that streak of four second places, he finishes third place three more years in a row. Um, so literally seven consecutive years, he was not outside the top three. If one Manuel Fangio didn't exist, Moss would be a multiple-time world champion. Um, and one of those championship losses to Mike Cawthorn in 1958, um, he actually, in, in a true act of sportsmanship, and I guess I'm kind of uh, uh, neutralising Schumacher in this respect, is that um, he managed to, he advocated for Hawthorne not being disqualified from a race where if that disqualification stood, Moss would have won the championship uh, and Moss advocated for it, which is just a sportsmanly uh, thing that we might not see nowadays. And I mean, to compliment Moss, Rint and Schumacher, who are already the greatest trio in F1 history, maybe, Chris Amon. I mean, he is the greatest driver never to have won a race and it's not even close. So Martin Brundle, great driver, no disrespect to him. Quick Nick Heidfeld, you have a very special place in my heart, but it isn't you either, sir. It is Chris Amon. Um, 11 podiums in his F1 career in the 60s and 70s. He won eight non-championship Grand Prix, which it seems crazy that he won eight of those and he didn't win any Formula One races that counted towards the championship. Uh, won in Daytona, won the 24-hour of Le Mans. Um, and, and it's just so many different seasons where he could have had at least one win um, he had world championship material rather than just the potential to win a race. Um, 1968, probably the unluckiest of the lot. He was at Ferrari at the time. Um, he was on the front row at pretty much every every race that season um, and led most of the races before, for one reason or another, coming unstuck. Um, and uh, just to pick out another race, and there are so many that I could do with this, 1972, the French Grand Prix that was held at Clermont Ferrand, um, a, a race where the track was breaking up so badly that stones were flying all over the place, uh, ended up ending Helmut Marco's F1 career, which a very short F1 career. Um, 
And Chris Amon was leading that from pole position. Definitely should have won the race. Um, and then he got a puncture with uh, not many laps to go. So that's just one example. There's many to choose from. Chris Amon is the greatest driver never to have won a race. Um, and I mean, I'm just going to check here. Yes, that does actually complete the winning team. Well, we can all agree to disagree on who the winning team was, folks, because honestly, I've had enough of talking about Chris Amon for one night. You guys think that's been a two-minute conversation. We've tried doing that six times, it feels like. So let's move on, because Chris Amon's doing my editing. Let's talk about something else, Benjamin. Is it something a little bit more modern? <laughs> Just a little bit more modern. We're going to be looking at Chris Amon and exactly <laughs> whether he'll win the 2020 F1. Sorry. Um, yes. We we are going to go a little bit more modern. Um, well, a, a team that was competing at that time, but we're looking at Williams um, on harder times at the moment. Um, of course, they've really struggled the last few years. Um, we're looking at the Red Bull Honda partnership and how that's coming along nicely. Potentially a chance that Williams could have gone down that route. Um, Sam, do you think that Williams Honda would have worked out? Do you think that this was a uh, a correct decision for them not to go down that path? Look, nostalgia is an absolutely beautiful thing. It brings back a lot of memories and a lot of happy, happy faces. And there's a lot of F1 fans out there who love the idea of a Williams-Honda partnership for nostalgic reasons. You know, they were incredibly successful. They had some great liveries. Uh, They had some fantastic drivers for them. You know, it's one of their most successful periods of their history was that pairing. But do I think it would be successful now? Not a chance in heaven on earth do I think that Honda and Williams together now would have been a good idea. They're with Mercedes. They've been with Mercedes for a long time. And Mercedes by far have been the most reliable engine and the best engine for the entire hybrid era. You'd be a fool to get rid of such a team. When, when Honda came in and they were nowhere, you know, they came in with McLaren. It was a wonderful moment. That was nostalgic. And they were awful. We've all heard the comments of Fernando Alonso, you know, GP2 engines, very embarrassing all those incredible moments over the radio were all about Honda, and they were about Honda for a reason. Could you imagine Williams, who've got the worst drag setup, who've got the worst aerodynamic setup? They haven't had the best driver partnerships for quite some time. You know, they've only had one semi-good driver here and there, and they've won all right driver here and there, but nothing groundbreaking, maybe until Russell's come along, and they had Bottas, of course, who was relatively good. But do you think having a Honda engine in that car is really going to make it any better? They're already at the back of the grid. A Honda engine that was unreliable, it was failing race after race, it was struggling constantly, it's only become decent to match Ferrari and Mercedes to a degree at some races over the last 12 months, would have been a horror show for Williams. They have fallen apart, they have lost so much, I think, so much more than they would have done they had Mercedes. At least they don't have to worry about the engine in that absolute cardboard box of an F1 car that they drive around. So... No, if, if Claire or Williams had chosen Honda and Mercedes, there would be absolute hellfire raining down on that team. I'm so glad that they're with Mercedes and didn't go to Honda. Big fish, little fish, the Williams car of 2019, That's as, the the old, uh, as the old run goes. Um, Harry, what, what do you think? Do you think this could have been an opportunity for Williams to try something different, take a risk? Um, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And if you look at the performance of Honda last year, then you would say they should have done it. But as Sam has pointed out, it would just been a stupid or would have seemed like a stupid move at the time. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Williams solution lies in their engine 
Um, and I, I do think Honda would bring more than just an engine. They've suddenly got a lot of money in their back pocket they could help put into Williams. But the problem with Williams is it's structural. They need to change up the sort of team they are. Um, and I think they should have gone down the route of being the B, the Mercedes B team that Racing Point have now done. So, um, yeah, the nostalgia would have been big. It, you know, it would have generated a bit of positive press for them for a bit, but it was never going to, that would never have solved their issues. Um, and even if the Honda does eventually turn out to be the better engine over the Mercedes, it still won't make, still won't make the car go faster around a corner, will it? So, um, yeah, it was never never going to be their solution. And even if it was helpful, they couldn't have seen foreseen what Honda were going to do in the future. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't looking very good um, earlier on for Honda. Um, obviously, times are, are looking up for the team now and, and Red Bull are taking advantage of that. But you can't, you can't blame Williams for not wanting to, to go down that route. Um and it's so easy to bash Williams. Um, we try to keep it to a minimum because we do like the team. We understand the heritage they've had in F1 and, and we do respect the the hardworking men and women at the team. But um, it's not going well for them. And this would have been just such a difficult pitch, um, you know, where Williams, literally everything is going wrong. The wheels, they're made of cheese. They are actually made of cheese. Which kind of cheese? Fact. Um, <laughs> funny you should say that. It's actually um, William's own. Oh, right, right. Like, like Asderone or <laughs> Yes. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I-, I thought it was um, Mascarpone because they, they can't for the life to find any horsepower in that car. Whee. Would it, nice would it not be Williams Dale? Ooh. William, I- I'd have a bit of Wims- Williams Dale. I, I would. I, you know what I mean, though. The, the, the times are tough. The side pods are more like side pods. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the. We're waiting for the symbol, please. There you go. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, Paddy Lowe is a temporary chef there now. I've heard. Like, <laughs> is he? <laughs> He is. He is. He, he's serving them all turkey twizzlers. It, it's it's true. Um, sorry, there is a point in all this. Um, the, the one good thing about Williams over the last few years has been how reliable their power unit has been. And and how essentially it's the only thing that's not wrong with the team. Um, they finish pretty much every Grand Prix. Um, and it would have been such a tough pitch for Claire Williams. Can you imagine Claire Williams, poor Claire Williams going, well... Everything's going wrong. We've got this one thing that's going right. I think we should probably change that one thing. Um, it would have been very difficult to convince shareholders that that was the right way to go. So, really don't blame, uh, really don't blame the team for not going with it. Would it have worked out potentially? You know, like you say, Harry, the the money that Honda could have invested could very well have been beneficial. Whilst they do have the Merck power units, it's not as if they are the number two or de facto number two team uh, for them. Um, So, yeah, it could have worked as a long-term plan. I don't think they'd be in a better position right now. Um, Would they be in a better position in five years' time or three years' time? Maybe. Who's to say? But... um, and and to put this on Red Bull as well, because a lot of people, you know, are giving Red Bull praise about going in the direction of Honda. They didn't really have much of a choice, let's be fair. They could either stick with Renault and the awful relationship they had 
those two together um or they could go for something different so i think they were out of choice they they went towards the the honda power unit um williams did have that choice they could stick with what was at the time and still could be today the the best power unit or go for one that's really struggled at mclaren so don't blame them for not going down that route good good solid stuff let us know in the comments on uh twitter or uh or instagram at L Breaking, what do you think about the Honda Williams decision? Yeah, and as an extension to that, let us know if if they weren't going to change that, is there anything else that they should have done? Is there something they should do now? Please the, let us know your thoughts. Change well, the, I mean, change yes. the car. That might be a bit of a broad answer, though. Buy oh, a Mercedes. What need to do. Yeah, please change the car. The cardboard box, as it's commonly known, as of about five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to a, a bit of F1 news, and um, we've got the first eight races of the calendar all confirmed, but there could be another race in Italy at Mugello. Did, did, did you like that? Did you appreciate it? I love it. Mugello. I love your Italian voice. Wow. The sarcasm really is dripping through. Um, it's yeah, Mugello um, because it's a double L and they don't pronounce double oh, L's as L's. Very, yes, very good. Very good. Um Basically, is it going to happen? Should it happen? Sam, what do you think? No, it shouldn't happen. End of conversation. Um, Obviously, no, it shouldn't happen. It's a silly thing to do. It's got one good straight to it. Um, It's a track that realistically, it doesn't work as a Formula One track. I know we've said that about a few circuits, but it's incredibly processional for the reason that it has so many mid-speed corners. It generates so much dirty air. It's not that wide, so uh, overtaking realistically isn't really going to happen. Running side by side, it's not that optional. Um, they're also going to have it in summertime in Italy, which is very sunny. There's no even real weather predicaments going on there. Uh, MotoGP currently race there, and it can destroy the track, as is proven. You know, it causes a lot more marbles, a lot of issues. It kind of causes bumps and stuff on the road, which means the bikes can't go around the property, so they have to relay it. So it's a lot more money that it's going to cost them. Honestly, it's a really, really dull circuit to have Formula One. It's a great track for other spot parts of racing, for other categories, but for Formula One, it just won't work. When we've got the current regulations that we've got, you won't be able to overtake anyone. Ferrari, they're only good at going in a straight line half the time. So when it's going to be their 1,000th race being held in Italy, you think, what track should we have it at in Italy that will help us? The one that's got lots of straight lines that we've always done relatively well at and won last year, or a track that we haven't been to for God knows how long, and it's got lots of big speed corners that Red Bull and Mercedes theoretically will do a lot better at than us at. Oh, right, let's do it at that one. It makes no sense. It shouldn't be brought back. It's a, it's a good track for other reasons. GT3 cars, they go around there on a regular basis and they struggle to make overtakes happen. What do you see an F1 car doing around there? It's great to have a new track on, but let's let's put a little bit of thought into how it might actually create some interesting racing. I just don't think it will. And that's what worries me about the likes of Zandvoort. They're very similar. People are already complaining that Zandvoort might not create anything interesting. I hope it's going to be different, but I doubt it. So no, I don't think we should have Mugello on the uh, on the circuit I, on, on the calendar i really do think that let's just hold off try and go to monza if possible and grab some quality slipstreaming please i mean just to say on the point of it wouldn't make any sense for ferrari it, it's ferrari so in terms of their strategy it makes complete <laughs> sense um everything is an opposite world um i'm thinking what they need um and there is an italian theme to this is in mario kart when the lightning bolt minimizes everyone that's what they need to do 
and then there won't be an issue of the cars being too big for the circuit. I, I think for a one race only, that should happen. Not sure about the logistics. Good idea, Ben. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much. Um, Harry, what do you think about this one? Do you think that they should give it a go uh, and try a race there? For the unusualness factor, which this year has had a lot of, to be honest, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all for it. It'll be nice to see an F1 race around a different circuit that we wouldn't necessarily normally have. Um, but I am totally with Sam on the it's not going to be a very exciting race point because I really don't think it will be. I saw an onboard lap of Mugello, as you say, or Mugello, um, <laughs> and uh, in an F1 car, and there just doesn't doesn't seem to be a point where I can see them overtaking. They're all very long, flowing corners, which will be fantastic to watch them go around in quali. Um, but I don't think very exciting for a race. You, yeah, you might get a move down done into turn one um so yeah if will it happen i think it's looking increasingly likely and because it's going to be ferrari's 1000th race i think in a year of disappointment and tragedy they're going to want to have some feel-good story about ferrari having their 1000th race in italy Um, and they've already got monza which is a bit too early so um yeah, I, I can definitely see it happening. I don't know how exciting it'd be. Maybe it'll rain. Who knows? That would be that might make it good, but I, I don't have high hopes. Uh, yeah, I, I completely understand the doubts that you've got that this wouldn't be a great race. Um, just looking at the the what what the track is uh, in terms of the corners and, and how it works, I, uh, yeah, I completely understand why. The, the smart money is on it being a bit of a professional, uh, professional, processional affair. Um, it is a cool circuit. I, re- I really do. I really do like it as a circuit. Um, and I, I said last week on the podcast, we were talking about reverse grids. And um, I, I said then that I think 2020 is the right time to experiment with things. And 2020 is the right time to give it a go. The, the calendar's already severely messed up. We don't know how many races there will be. Um, at the end of the day so yeah if there's anything you want to try try it in 2020 so I've got no problem with them giving this a go um it is a tough circuit for GT3 cars I think F1 cars might make mincemeat out of it which would be a shame um and I mean it, it seems to happen with a lot of circuits it wouldn't just be this one um you know when you see Leclerc doing 130R left-handed uh with one hand off the steering wheel it's kind of a bit of a uh when you when you've seen drivers of the past go, have to expend all their energy to get through that corner um so i i think even though it is a difficult circuit for some cars i think the f1 cars would probably make it look quite easy um but i mean we're looking at maybe two races in sochi <laughs> let's just give it a go i've That's got true. why not let's try it um if it's if it's no good which you know i again would say that there's a good chance that will happen we don't ever go back there again so that's the worst that can happen we get a bit of a bad race but in a in a year where we're not getting a lot of racing as it is where we want to pack as much racing as possible into the second half of the calendar let's go for it why not yeah you make a valid point if it's that Mugello or Magello against two races in Sochi, then let's just go to Magello. Like, oh my God, I don't want to go to Sochi twice. But think of the elevation changes at Sochi. 
<laughs> I mean, at least uh, we've seen an overtake happen at Sochi. Yeah, this is true. But I mean, we haven't had a race at Mugello though, so I don't think we can. Yeah, we can accurate. Yeah, but I, I do, I do agree with what you say. It's um, and and it, what you said on Zanvor as well, Sam. Um, that's still a concern for whenever that comes up back on the F one calendar. Um. Yeah, it, that that looks like it's going to be a tricky one to to deal with as well. Um, moving on to our final segment of the evening or afternoon or morning or wherever you might be listening to, we're going to play F one Guess the Year. Um, I Sam and Harry, I know you are absolutely psyched. Guess the year. <laughs> One guess the year. Guess the year. <laughs> I think you smashed that. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. We started with F one back and forth, and somehow we've got worse. Yeah, I mean F one back and forth is still my favourite. It's it's the the OG yeah um, of F one games. Um, so yeah, we're going to play F1 Guess the Year. So what's going to happen is I will say an event in Formula 1 history. Sam and Harry will both put forward their guesses as to what year it happened. You'll get one point if you are the closest, um, and you'll get two points if you get it bang on. Okay. But fairly, fairly simple game overall. Understood. Um, okay, I love it. And I mean, if you've got no idea whatsoever and you have the luck of going second on that round, you can just copy whatever your opponent's got. This game has flaws. <laughs> That's just like breaking all over. Well, exactly. And please do play along at home. Have a, have a guess what year these things happen and see if you can beat Sam and Harry. Um, it shouldn't be too difficult. I'm joking, of course. I'm joking, of course. All right. The first one. Can you tell me what year... Did David Coulthard win his last Grand Prix? I'll give you a few seconds to mull it over. Who who has to answer first? Are we taking in turns? Um, so, yeah, Harry, you can answer this one first, please. Okay. Uh, I believe it was 2003. Okay. And Sam... Are you close to that? Are you exactly the same year as that? Pretty certain it's Australia 2003. Good eye. Yes, absolutely spot on. Australia 2003. So that's two points each for you both. It's a rare fact I actually completely know. (laughs) You can never forget DC, you know, never. The biggest challenger to Schumacher there ever was. Exactly. (laughs) 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 Harry. I'll, I'll lend you a dictionary to to find out what the word exactly means because it really wasn't used appropriately then. <laughs> anyway, second one. Bridgestone exits F1 at the end of this season. Okay. All right, and Sam, if you can go first on this one. Um... Now, I all it, it, I'm, it's later than I always think it is. I'm gonna say 2010. I too am gonna say Harry. 2010. 
It's a strong start from you both. The end of 2010 is right. Oh, yeah, boy. Now, I've got to make sure my pronunciation is correct on this one, uh, as I apparently have a, a tendency <laughs> to extend my A's. You could probably guess, both of you, what this one is going to be about. <laughs> Jack Brabham. Nice. Sorry. Jack Brabham retires from F1 at the end of this season. Oh, bloody hell. I started you off nice and easy. Now we're going to get a bit more difficult. I don't. I have no idea. 1968. Uh, and Sam, what have you got? Oh, you know that Michael Scott face where he's got the teeth over his bottom lip and it's like, oh, that's the face I pulled the moment you finished that sentence. That's great. Um, I think it's a bit later than 68. I think he did one season in the 70s, so I'm going to say 71. Uh, <laughs> Sam, you get one point. Uh, he retired at the end of 1970, so he did do oh, one season in F1. But yes, one point for you, Sam. I'll take that. That was a bit, of, a bit of a pun. Both close. All right, Sam. Next question. Yeah. Albert Park hosted yep. its first F1 Grand Prix in which year? Uh... Okay, so we used to have Adelaide. 1876. That, yeah, I was thinking early That's 1800s, a pun. actually. That's a pun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go 96. And Harry, what have you got? It's the Martin Brundle backflip contest. It's 1992. <laughs> Exactly. Two points for you both. 1996 is right. Close thing so far. Halfway mark. Sam, you're up seven points to six. Oh, this is a first. Uh, And Harry, go to you for this one. Jim Clark won his first race in which year? Oh, bloody hell. 1964. (laughs) Uh, and Sam? I have no idea. So I'm simply just going to undercut Harry by one year, 1963. Lovely. Well, the following stat should probably tell you who's won this one. Um, Jim Clark won the championship in 1963. Ah. Um, and yeah, so that should tell you. It was actually 1962. So oh, the strategy has won it. Point. Yes. Yeah. No, it was, a, it was a good strategy there to go one under. Um all right, Sam, question number six. Yeah. Tyrrell exited F1 at the end of which season? Um, who were they? Harry's singing the theme tune, not helping. I should put it underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it's so distracting! It's Guess the year! <laughs> Um, they were there in the 90s. I know they were there in the 90s. I think Harry's going to absolutely smash this. I'm going to say 97. Harry, what have you got? I think it's 1998. 
you think correctly, sir. It Damn is it. 1998. So levels it up boy. eight each. <laughs> good old, yeah, good old Takagi. What a guy. I'm bottling it. it well, two <laughs> more questions to go. It's eight all. Harry, on this one. Fernando Alonso won his home race for the first time in this year. Uh, um, 2006. And Sam? I was also going to say 2006. Well, the first year he won the championship, 2005... He didn't win his home Grand Prix, which means 2006 <laughs> is right. Well oh, done. Thank you. It comes down to the wire. Great reveal. It there, does ben. come down to the wire. It's 10 all. Also, Ben, love that baiting switch there. Ah, mm. oh, you had to bring one out for at least you know, eight <laughs> questions. I've got to do it on one of them. <sighs> Sam. Yeah. Deciding question. Yeah. Alan Prost debuted in F1 in this year. Oh, I knew it would be a Prost question. You bloody love him. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, okay, Ben, so... you're Prost lover. Um... Oh, okay. Dun, 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 I know he won in 81. I know, I know he got a win in 81. Because how many seasons was he there before that? I'm going to say he did one season before 81. I'm going to say he debuted in 1980. Uh, I... And... Oh, I don't know this one. Uh, so I'll do a Sam tactic of undercutting and say 79. It's a great tactic. Oh. Well, Harry, you've you've gone for the undercut here, but <laughs> oh, sometimes no. Oh, no. the overcut is worth it. <laughs> sometimes you shouldn't do either because Sam gets it spot on. Yes! 1980 is right. Oh, dear. It's a beautiful day. Final score, 12-10 to Mr. Sage. Oh, that's a good one. I've got to say, guys, I'm very impressed. You were you were close on pretty much all of those. Well, I know we're morons, but I don't think I don't think we'd have started an F1 YouTube channel and podcast if we knew literally nothing. We I just... mean, I just mean like eight questions. You uh, you were all sort of in within one year or two years every time. So it's, yeah, keep going. Okay. Thank you for playing. Guess the year. <laughs> Guess the year. Guess the year. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Good God. I mean, if you've made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> um... <laughs> it's appalling. It's appalling and difficult to listen to. We're sorry. Yes, it is. Um... Well, we're going to get out of here. Uh, after your victorious guest of the year, Sam, please get us out of here. If you'd like to guess how I managed to win this round, then uh, please get down in the comments or over to our Late Breaking Twitter channel, at Late Breaking. We'd love to hear... At Breaking. I get that wrong every time. We'd always love to hear from you. Please get involved. You know, we're going to hit 1,000 followers on that. That's wonderful. Maybe you could be the 1,000th person there. But we will be back next week, of course, with a lot more content to come. In the meantime, I've been Sam Sage. 
I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Bruno Giacomelli. <laughs> I don't know who that is! <laughs> Good old Bruno. Wow, that's a name. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.